Hello. It's Valentine's Day, so whether you love it or you hate it, happy Valentine's That's Day. That's a nicer way of doing it, because we just tried doing it, and I... Don't you want to do it again? I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it. I just wanted to say that for anyone who hates Valentine's, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our second episode of Agony Aunt and Uncle. Um, She's the uncle, I'm the aunt. If you're listening to it on podcast, um, you can watch us if you want, because this is a nice little film series as well mm. on our YouTube channel. Just go to the Swala Adelies. Um on YouTube and you'll find us. It's important to say that we're not offering medical or social or psychological or psychoanalytical advice, but we are sharing our thoughts as if we were a relative, in a sense. Yeah. If you were to come to us and say, oh, this is bothering us, you know, like any relative, we would say, oh, well, have you thought of this? Or, and we are very know. much like that. People do tend to come to us in our life that we mm. know and come to us for just a chat through mm. things. And they tend to walk off in a state <laughs> of chaos, don't they? <laughs> yeah, we've both been through a lot. Like most people have yeah. through our life, um, and we've both had therapy over the years, and we've both been to couples counselling, and I think basically we were a couple of total arseholes when we first met 20 yeah. years ago, and we've done a lot of work on ourselves, and yeah. we still have so much more to do. But mm. And for anyone listening who hasn't listened before, obviously, and you don't know who we are, um, I've also been in recovery from alcohol, drugs, etc. for 18 years, and have been through rehab, Yay. thank you, and have had extensive uh, forms of therapy all sorts over the years so you know some of that obviously folds into how we help our kids how we help members of the family etc so we want to share some of that with you too yeah okay so oh, mm, <clears throat> oh esther this this made our heart ache a bit when we mm. read this um esther says i had a miscarriage six months ago and i'm approaching what would have been my due date now it feels so raw still every time i get my period it still makes me feel the same devastation my partner's been amazing and it's definitely strengthened our bond even more, but I don't know how to move on with my life. Mm. I'm 24, turning 25 in the summer, and I'm trying not to waste away being in my early 20s while dealing with the heaviness this has brought into our lives. We both always wanted kids, but it was more of a distant thing. Getting pregnant was a surprise, but it changed everything for us. We decided to start trying a few months ago, but I hate feeling like my life won't begin until I'm pregnant again. How can I learn to enjoy life the way I did before all this happened to us? Wow. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I had a number of miscarriages in between Maddie and Kiki. Mm. And um, so, of course, your experience is very much your experience. But I think I can really empathise with what you're saying here and those feelings and just how difficult it is to just... Society wants us to pack it away very, very quickly. Mm. I always say to people, when somebody says to you they've had a miscarriage, don't say, well, how many weeks was it? Mm. Because within that, there's a kind of judgment that we're going to get over this in a certain amount of time. And my answer to that is, every time I got pregnant, from the first second we knew I was pregnant, we were planning mm, yeah, and thinking. And you see, you know, you see this life ahead of you. You're thinking of what kind of school they're going to go to and what kind of person they're going to and what, what they're going to look like. So time, the amount of time you've been pregnant, I think is completely irrelevant when you've had a miscarriage. Mm, mm. I really, really do. So if you've experienced any of that, first of all, I would say to you, whatever your feeling is valid, is 100% valid. You are grieving mm. for... A, a, 
a hope, a wish, a dream that has that, that felt so tangible, mm. and now that you and now you've lost it. It is grief like any other grief. Grief of losing someone in any way that you might lose them, whether that be through through death, whether that be through a breakup. There is a period of time where it's going to really hurt and it's going to really ache. And it takes that time. I would just say, you can't rush it. You know, you're only 24. So you have, you're so young to be able to really even have a concept of how with a passage of time, it's not like grief goes, but you do grow around it and you learn how to, how to just carry on. But for the moment, if you're feeling this sad, I would say, just sit with it a bit and just take little steps. You know, where, say, you used to go out seven days a week and now you don't want to go out at all. Try going out once a week. You know, it's just bringing things in little by little, saying to people, do you know what? I feel a bit overwhelmed with grief at the moment. If I come over, do you mind if I want to go after an hour? Can I just go? And I think it's just about sharing that and, and asking for what you need. What do you think? I don't know if I can add anything. Oh, <laughs> you've kind of spoken for both of us. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, all of those all of those thoughts around time, I think I would say my advice to you if you were my daughter. And in fact, I know someone very close to me who had uh, an abortion um, in their sort of early 20s. And, and this was something that they have struggled with, still struggle with. And it really is that idea of uh, grieving for a I'm careful to say a life because you get into the whole sort of pro-life and all that kind of stuff lobby. What I'm talking about is you start to invest in a narrative that you hope is going to play out. Mm -hmm. And like it or not, you might not be thinking about the specifics of them as a teenager and as an adult and your relationship, but you are. You are preparing for the idea. You're laying the groundwork. You're thinking forward. You're sharing. Even if you're not speaking about it always specifically with your partner, you both move into It's interesting. I always use the analogy of, you know, when a ski jumper, you used to watch Ski Sunday, and you see a ski jumper, they jump onto their line. They've got the two grooves going down the ski jump, and they get themselves into position to go down. And I think as parents, you know, if you're in a sort of mutually supportive relationship, you're doing that at the point of conception, pregnancy, mm. once you find out that you're going to have a baby, and you're settling at the top. So the idea that you're going to slide down that slope and do the jump, and yet you've sort of gone halfway down and it stops and it doesn't happen, I think as Nadia says, it's about sitting with that grief. But the part of what you say that really sort of makes me sort of stop and I sort of think, God, that's really tough, is the idea that you've started trying again and you hate feeling like your life won't begin until you're pregnant again. And I think I, I, I can really relate to that because I think after your after Nadia's first miscarriage after uh, Maddie, I remember thinking um, an element of we're now chasing something. We're now chasing something. Now, of course, the major difference for us was that when we were essentially trying to have Kiki, or just before we had Kiki, you were that much older, weren't you? you were, mm. Early 40s, early 40s. So the only thing I would say to you, if you or my daughter is, look, I get it. I see why you're feeling that. That's exactly the kind of thing I do, even though I'm not a woman. I would be like, oh my God, I'm, this is slave driving me. But I would stress that time is on your side mm. at your age. It really is, you and, know. And, and maybe, maybe it's not quite the right time. I don't know. Have a think about that. Yeah. Maybe it sounds to me like this is almost like a pressure, I could be wrong, that you're feeling you have to fill this gap very quickly and get pregnant to ease this. And maybe... You just need to sit with it. It's the hardest thing, isn't it? As, mm. as, 
as humans, we don't want to sit with our pain and with our feelings. We, you know, there's all kinds of ways we can distract away from that. You know, whether it be chaotic behaviour or overworking or possibly even mm. in this situation to get back on that horse and try and have another baby and all of that. And I'm picking up that maybe you just need a bit more time of this mm. Mm. and a bit more time of, of what, oh, sorry for people listening and not watching, I've sort of just put my arms around myself, a bit of hugging of myself, a bit of self-care. Maybe you need to do a bit more of that. And but also, maybe that feeling of thinking the only way this is, I'm going to get back to life is when I'm pregnant again, mm. is because almost you're on that mm. racetrack again. Now, the first miscarriage that I had was actually before Maddie. Mm. It was devastating. It was so devastating. It was quite an early miscarriage, wasn't mm. it? And I think even more so then, mm. we were racing because you were seven years younger than me. I was 38, 39. Mm. Mm. And they really did that, had that feeling of like, oh my God, if I don't get pregnant again soon, maybe I never will. So I understand that feeling. I really do. Um, but just maybe think about that. Bit. Maybe have a really honest conversation with your partner as well. Well, it sounds like she's also... might be thinking, maybe we need a bit longer. But also it sounds like you've got a really understanding partner. Mm. You say it strengthened your bond. And I think even if... I mean, I'd like to think that even back then when I was in my chaotic years still, there was an aspect of us being able to talk about this stuff and get in touch with our emotions as, as a man and as a husband and as a partner and as a father-to-be. But he, however, appro however sort of supportive he's being, He'll be burying something too. Mm. And it's that thing of perhaps it is just still, there's still a point to kind of sitting down with him and talking about what his hopes are for, whether he's feeling that same urgency. And if he isn't, he might be able to ease you into a place of not feeling that urgency either. And you know what? Sometimes when that's really hard, and this is what we've learned through couples counselling and just time being together, try writing it mm. to each other and say, and say, I'm writing this letter and ask him questions that he might feel, you might feel he would be uncomfortable if you asked him and then it gives him the space to talk as well. And this can further really enrich your relationship, mm. really solidify it, helping you both mm. to communicate better. That could be the positive that comes out of this very sad thing that you're having at the moment, not the positive out of the miscarriage because, of course, that is never going to be positive. That's always mm. a terrible thing. But you solidifying and, and opening lines of communication. You're 25. We couldn't communicate like this until we were not in our uh, late 30s. Not we, couldn't have, we couldn't have written a paragraph written. like this. Yeah. So, so you know, and, and so really open up and say, you know, think to yourself, have I really asked how he feels? And then he can ask whether he's really asked how you feel. Mm. And, then you, and then give yourself this time to really stabilise yourself date a bit, go out a bit with each other, have a bit more fun, and then a bit further down, it will, you know, yeah, might yeah, feel, yeah. it might feel more of a joyful thing to get pregnant rather than like this race because you're frightened. Yeah, but in a sense, what you're also saying is, is recapture the, not the honeymoon period, because I don't know how long you've been together, but recapture the sense of living your lives as a couple because you can have, you can afford to, to spend the time doing that and you're not going to run out of time in order to sort of return to the idea of having a child. Even if it's just a few more months. Yeah. Even if it's just a few more months of mm. that. So you're both on solid ground. Because yeah. at the moment you sound really sad. Mm. And you sound like you're a bit wobbly emotionally. And it would be really good before getting pregnant again to just stabilise. 
And but I, hey, you never know, you might be pregnant now, we don't know, so. <laughs> and I can guarantee that, because everything, um, you know, this trite phrase, everything happens for a reason. I mean, when I look back and you do look at all the junctions and the forks in the road that you take and the, the things that didn't happen and the things that did happen, there will categorically, because there has to be a reason for this and it will work out in a yeah, different way. Yeah, I like, not even necessarily that everything has to have a reason, but mm. you can find some reason in what's yes. happened yeah. rather than, you know, so I would say my headline for what could come out of this is that you two really learn about communication, really ask about each other, you know, you know, maybe send a letter or something and take... However well a couple communicates, they can always communicate on a deeper level. And maybe this could take you to an even deeper level. And just finally, uh, perhaps, perhaps that sense of rushing, that sense of time ticking, that sense of urgency is actually possibly coming from uh, an inability or being scared to grieve. To face the grief that you've gone through, because to let go of the prospect in the short term of having a baby, you're fully let going of you let letting go of, of something of, that you had or thought baby. you were going to have, yeah. etc. So in a weird way, I'm sensing that that anxiety and the rush and the push and the sense of I'm only living my life and I'm wasting my life because I'm after this mm. is actually more about you processing what's happened yeah. to get back to a level place. So I, I would suggest that maybe have a chat with your and partner. Thank you for sharing that yeah. with us because I know that this will speak to so many other people. Mm, you know, absolutely. there are always people searching for more information. I mean, you know, like uh, somebody I know at work that just was such a surprise. She came and reached out to me and she said, this was two years ago. She said, oh my God, I didn't tell you at the time, but I had a miscarriage a few months ago. I stumbled across your video with you and Mark. So Mark and I did a How to Stay Married around going into real depth of mm. our miscarriages. And she said it was just at a time I was just so needed to hear that somebody else had gone through it. And the thing is, so many millions of us do. Mm -hmm. And there is strength to be drawn from other people's um, you know, experiences. So thank you for sharing it because I'm other people will have got something from And this. I'm going to now pop just up there. There'll be a thing that pops up that says, how to stay married, miscarriage. So you can if click you on to, that if you want to yeah. go, go and yeah. watch it. Okay, this second one is a uh, message from Shelley. Mm -hmm. And it says, I'm a 51 disabled lady with multiple illnesses. My, my son always worries that I don't get out enough to meet people or even date. But I feel happy being alone with my cat and my TV. I mean, I go to the shops and I go out with friends once a month, but he wants me to go out regularly and maybe start dating again too. I haven't dated for 10 years and the thought of it is giving me anxiety. It would me too as well. Bless you. Yeah, my question is, how do I explain to my son, who's 22, that I'm fine the way I am? And when I'm ready, I may date again. Well, you know what struck me about this? And Mark and I said it when we read it. it it's perfect what you've said there. Perfectly. You've already said it. Yeah, you've kind of described what, what yeah. you need to say to him. But maybe what I'm picking up in this, though, is that you have said this to him. And he's, and not, he's, not, he's not kind of recognising that. I think I kind of understand where your son's at. I mean, I've had similar conversations with my mother. Uh, for those who know the channel, that's Nanny Di where I've wanted her to uh, reach out to, maybe not go dating, but to reach out for more friends, to find more friends, to be more in the world, to be more engaged with people. You know, there's all these studies that show, I mean, if I'm really honest, I get sick to death of studies that say, unless you socialize more, you're gonna get dementia and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's nonsense. I think some of us are made differently. And I think I personally, when you describe all of how, how you feel how you feel most comfortable, and then you describe going dating, Shelley, I want to join you and watch the telly and be with your cat and, and stay in. Now, he's only coming from a place of love and he's only coming from a place of 
concern wow. and he's possibly projecting forward and thinking, you know, perhaps mum isn't making as much of an effort to do things that could be better for her. And I think whilst I'm, I'm going to sort of, I'm saying two contradictory things. On the one hand, I think you need to make him understand that this is your comfort place. But maybe you need to make a step. Maybe what he's picking up is something that sometimes we're, we're, we're not that able to, to observe in ourselves. So, for example, small example is, you know, the girls and Nadia always want me to have more of a sort of friendship circle and to reach out and not be so sort of private and alone and all that kind of stuff. And they accept that 85% of the time I actually am, I'm, I prefer it like that. But I have to sometimes stop and go, you know what? They're coming from a place of love. Maybe I need to interrogate this a little bit. So maybe, maybe it's a case of sitting down with I would with agree, him. I would agree, you know, with everything that Mark said, absolutely. And also, how, how much do you really make him understand this? Hmm. Now, my mum is one of those people, those elderly people who literally never, ever leaves me feeling bad. She's never like, oh, you haven't phoned, or oh, God, mm. I'm glad you're back. I've been on my own, or and you. I think mums can kind of get into the mm. habit of saying that, but like, mm. like my girls will say to me, "Oh, mum, are you down here on your own?" And I'm thinking, oh, please just leave me. <laughs> I really want to be on my own. They go, are "You okay, mum?" Like, yeah. No, yeah, no, I'm great. I'm great, and I find myself working so hard to prove yeah, to yeah, them yeah. that I'm totally fine. But we do have to do that as parents. Mm. We really have to just be breezy and say, oh, you know, I just love it. I just, you know, you might have to bring it, bring up your game a bit. I don't know how, 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 what how much you mean in terms of telling him this is what yeah, I'm, like, I'm happy doing? Like, honestly, you've got no idea. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, I love having you here, son, but my goodness, when you go out, there's nothing better than me just sitting here with my cat, which is what Nanny Thelma always used to do. Mm. Don't you worry about me. I'm never happier than when I'm sat here with my cat. So you might have to just, just up, ratchet that up a bit. Um, and also, I agree with Mark, really interrogate that is there a little bit of a yourself that yeah. might like to see your friends twice a month mm. or three times a month and you're pulling back from that because isolating is easier than the sort of faff of friends and maybe saying something might make you feel silly or dead. You know, all these reasons that we all do, we all use to isolate. So, and you might interrogate that and go, no, no, this really is exactly mm. what I want. And in which case, enjoy. But he's definitely just looking at you and thinking, my mum's fantastic. Yeah. What, what, my mum should be out doing this and out doing that because he's coming from the perspective of a young person. Well, you say he worries, but I mean... Mind you know, 51 is very young. You're 51 very is very young, but also you say he worries. Now, worry, he, we don't know. He could be quite hectoring in the way that he says it. It's like, come on, mum, you need to do, 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 do. And that will create stress and anxiety. So there might be an opportunity there to have a chat with him and say, look, if, he, if, he's put, if you feel that stress comes with his worry and the stress lands on you, then you're more than, you know, you're more than allowed to sit down with them and say, look, son, you know, this is actually not helping me. It's making me sort of resist the idea of doing anything else. But there is, I think there is always, if someone close to you who loves you, who's got your best interests at heart, and, you know, sometimes those closest to you cannot have your best interests at heart, but you can pretty much judge that. If your son has your best interests at heart, do just spend a moment just asking yourself, am I, am I on my own as much as I am? for all the right reasons. And then I, mean, I that I bloody love it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if, when I interrogate it myself, I know it's born of shyness, it's born of all the issues that are going on, it's born of not wanting to put myself in a vulnerable position and all that kind of stuff. It's social anxiety. So, you know, it, it, 
I, I think just keep the dialogue going with him, but perhaps say to him, look, I don't want to be stressed mm. about this. I'm rather like, you know, I'm a great one for writing it down if you can't, mm. if you can't have that communication or if, if you're, you know, you can start saying something, can't you? And then assume as we all do it, the other mm. person interrupts and then you never really feel that you said what you wanted mm. to say. So you could, you know, send a really loving letter and saying, you know, listen, son, you are just fantastic. And I know that you're thinking, but I don't want you to worry. I want you yes. to really, really, really know that this is how I love to live. This is it. Mm. Or say that and then say, but you know what? I am going to think a bit about what you're saying and question myself as to whether I am mm. just, you know, isolating a bit. And, and that way you're all going to be happy. Better communication. There you go. Um, Emma B is this next one aimed at you Nadia. Nadia. Excuse I, the sunlight yet again. Nadia I know you've struggled with keeping on top of things like your walk-in wardrobe, starting things and not completing things etc. I have a real problem with this which is affecting my mental health and my sons just don't want to help me as in their words it will just end up a mess again. I've tried getting rid of some stuff to the tip it just seems I'm going round in circles. I'm 50 this year and I really want to sort myself out. Do you have any advice on how I can make a start and see it through? Sending lots of love. Oh, Emma. Well, I mean. Well, and then anybody it, yeah. else that doesn't know this, you track back through our old vlogs, our, old, it's our reality show oh, yeah, on yeah. our YouTube channel, and it's pandemonium. Hmm. It's, it's, I've always thought that it was because I was a bit stupid, that I was lazy, that I was this, that I was that. A few months ago, I got diagnosed with um, ADHD and... <laughs> I mean, it's just every classic mm. symptom of ADHD I have, reorganisation and executive thinking and all these things. Um, so I, I am on, on medication now and, and it helps, but I don't want to stay on medication all my life. So I'm trying in this period of time with medication to get some structure in that possibly I could carry on after I've, I've you know, when I, when I stop the medication. There are so many brilliant Instagram accounts around um, organisation, especially for people with ADHD. Now, I don't know if you've got ADHD, Emma. Mm. I haven't got a clue. Um, but what I'm, what I'm hearing is you've got you've got the same problem in that area where you just can't, you know, if you're, it doesn't mean you've got ADHD, you just might have a real problem with organisation where you start one thing, you go off to the other thing, then you come back and then that's a mess and then you're back to square one. Mm. So these, there's loads of apps if you, if you, not apps, well, there are apps, but there's lots of Instagram accounts. So if you were to put in, you know, uh, ADHD organisation and really work through exactly how they you know, the tips that they go through, you really could change this. And you have to believe that you can, because I have never believed that I could do this. I've spent my whole life trying. Like, I am never not trying to organise my house, but I get to the end of the day and it's just a tip again. But what I would say is what I have learned since being on ADHD, you have to try and stick with one corner one area and don't leave it until you've finished it so if you if you started with a drawer say and then you find yourself over by the kitchen sink say to yourself why am i at the kitchen sink 
get back to the drawer. And I'm actually working through the house now and doing but that, um, but cupboard that, by cupboard. I think, I think what Nadia says is absolutely right. I mean, that's hard because um, by din by, in its very nature, what you're talking about here is the fact that you will start one thing and you'll be distracted and then it will start again and start again. I mean, I'll tell you something I was thinking about and I don't know why this sprung to mind, but it's when you said, I've tried getting rid of some stuff to the tip. It just seems like I'm going around in circles. I think, you know, maybe you could sit down, have a think, if you can talk to a therapist or whatever, but you know, not, not a great length about why it is you accumulate stuff or why it is that, you know, once you've got rid of stuff, you, stuff comes back. Because do you remember that show Life Laundry? I mean, there is something huge, you know, I'm not, I don't think we should all just kind of solve everything that's kind of affecting us in a so-called negative way. So for example, you know, yes, we can collect too much stuff. Yes, we can accrue rubbish. Yes, we can accrue stuff that to other people seems totally ephemeral and pointless. And like your son say, it will just end up a mess again. Probably within your mess is stuff that really matters to you and you really care about. And I think trying to find some way of understanding how getting into this repeated cycle of mess, which your, your sons are describing it, or stuff or getting overwhelmed by all your stuff, you're probably looking for some kind of comfort. You're possibly feeling, if your sons are sort of saying it like that, I'm not, not suggesting they don't care, but maybe they just feel that, you know, in their own way, they've got to the end of their tether. Maybe you're feeling quite alone in the house and you're feeling, and you're looking for comfort in, in the chaos and in the chaos and in the cycle of accruing more and getting rid of more and accruing more. There is obviously something, it's almost like a yeah. sweet little squirrel Working constantly up. going and getting its nuts. And, what and, is the attachment? If yeah. you're looking at this thing and this is, Mm. a broken toy and you're looking at it why can't i put this in the tip mm. why can't i put how does it serve me what does it do for me how does it help me and just go through and and just stay with it like stay with the one draw you're going to do in that day mm. and finish that draw i would and say just, and just you know a lot of the tips on these adhd sites and stuff is around giving yourself a timer mm. so you put a timer for say like 10 15 minutes for a draw mm and you've got to get it finished because it can just go on forever, can't it? Because mm. you end up reading things, then you get distracted. Well, and also you start else. to find stuff that you think, oh, I'll keep that. Yeah, and, you put it to the and then you've got, you have an a pile. you've got another pile over there <laughs> and you don't know what to do. Now, some people might be listening to this and going, what is wrong with all these people? But unless you've got this sort of an affliction, and I will call it an affliction because it wastes so much of my life, trying to bloody organise stuff because to organise stuff then I'll be able to do things that I really want to do and just never succeeding has exhausted me all through my life so I have so much empathy and sympathy I you know I used to always feel so embarrassed about the house it would be a nightmare if anybody just turned up you know it, it causes isolation it causes shame it causes you know there's a real grief around looking around your place and just like oh and just and sort of seeing yourself in the mm. mess around you mm. so i really really do empathize and i just want to give you a big hug emma because i know how bloody hard it is i would also say there's never any harm in communicating with your loved ones and saying to them so saying to your sons look i hear you but been, i'm really yeah. struggling with this and so Please, you know, maybe don't just say, oh, it will end up a mess again. Maybe make a sort of vow, like Nadia said, whether, I mean, I would say write a list, but I start lists and they become as unbearable as the, the mess. Um, but say to them, look, make a moment of it and say, right, I really want to target something, some aspect of the house of, some aspect of my stuff, and I want your support just to get this part of it done. And try and corral their support and try and bring them in on you. This is different this time. I'm, I'm really going to make the effort this time. Um, oh, Sometimes I say to the girls, 
and I'll text them and I'll say, is there any point this week that you've got an hour or two that we could all together pull together and do this room, say, mm. because I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Because if you give somebody a week or a month, they can't say no, they haven't got any time. Mm. And, 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 that, and also then you really are asking them and asking their permission and giving them permission to sort of help you yeah. without demanding it or like, you know, you could go, can everybody help me with the kitchen and everybody's doing something they're already doing. So I think giving space for people to say yes is really, you know, can, could work. And also finally, not entirely dissimilar to one of the other uh, sort of dilemmas or questions or comments that we were talking about earlier. Try and ask yourself some questions. Maybe you do this with the help of a counsellor. Maybe you do this with close friends or whatever. Try and ask yourself why you might be emotionally doing this. You know, why is there this desire to keep going through this cycle? Why is there the desire to have stuff for comfort, for sort of, I don't know, for, you know, to, to sort of shield yourself? Maybe you're grieving something. Maybe you're feeling a loss of something. Maybe you're feeling, you know, what do you say, you're 50? I'm going through all those questions of 50, 52. You know, you might be having those moments and holding on to stuff or the repetitive cycle of trying to get through it becomes quite addictive. And so you go through that process because it's a familiar place. Because it distracts And you. also it allows you not to think about accomplishing something because you're always in the process of, I mean, it's very ADHD. I'm not suggesting for a minute you are, but it might be worth just exploring that, which is easier said than for done. For me, there was no emotional attachment to any of the stuff. For me, it's not for market is. It's mm, just like a, just an a complete inability to organize right. and it is you know if you want to look it that's up it's it? executive yeah. Yeah. thinking is what it's called and it's a it's 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 a inability for executive thinking which again you don't have to have adhd to have mm. so, so that's just a really, look into that. that's a really important distinction i've never thought yeah. about it like that you don't have an emotional connection no. i have a really powerful emotional no. connection to it's everything just like i just keep putting it somewhere yeah. else for no good damn reason well, I hope that was vaguely useful. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and thank, thank you again so much for sharing. And if you have a problem that you would like to ask us about, mm. where did they go? The link is going to be <laughs> in the description box beneath this film. And if you want to be anonymous, say anonymous. Otherwise, we will read your name out. Yeah.